Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward. I want to thank you for listening to a new season of the Pastor Matters podcast. To get our season started off, Ronjor will be joined today by Dr. Matthew Kim to discuss preaching to people in pain. Dr. Kim serves on the preaching faculty at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He has authored several books uh, on preaching, including Preaching with Cultural Intelligence and A Little Book for Preachers, Why and How to Study Homiletics. This episode was recorded over Zoom, so the quality may be a little different from what you're used to, but that will in no way impact the quality of the conversation between these two brothers. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a new season of Pastor Matters. All right, Dr. Kim, it is so good to uh, to have you back here on the uh, Pastor Matters podcast. Hey, thanks, Ranjur. It's great to be with you, all, as always. Yeah, and I am really excited that you're here because, uh, well, you come bearing gifts. Uh, you have a new book out. Uh, 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 give us a little bit of a rundown of this uh, this new book of yours, uh, Preaching uh, to People in Pain. Yeah, thank you. The, the book is called Preaching to People in Pain, and the subtitle is How Suffering Can Shape Your Sermons and Connect with Your Congregation. And it was recently published by Baker Academic uh, in May. And the book is really uh, an outflow of pastoral ministry, uh, thinking through my own experience as a pastor and my congregants. And some of the things I had a disconnect about in terms of uh, seeing the look on their faces on Sunday morning, wondering why, why do they seem so despondent uh, or apathetic to the Christian life, and recognizing that I missed something really glaring, and that is people have pain in their lives. And so putting those pieces together led me to, to write this book, not just for them, but for myself as I've been going through my own journey of pain. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's good. That's good. So um, let, let's back up just a little bit. Because obviously pain uh, as, a, as just a subject, <laughs> uh, pain and suffering and so on, uh, it, it seems like we're a little apprehensive to talk about that, not just in the church, but to talk about it, period. I mean, uh, right now you've got athletes that are uh, speaking a lot about mental health uh, and, and uh, uh, mental health issues and, and, and just their own personal pains and personal suffering and so on. But, but specifically in the church, it seems like there's this this chasm, this great chasm uh, between what, you know, what we do in the West and just how we talk about suffering, how we talk about pain and so on, and, and even our experiences of it, and uh, the experiences that we have in, in the, the larger world, uh, especially in the church, the global church. Uh, could you talk about that? What, what's going on here? Why, why does it seem to be more difficult here than in perhaps other places? Mm, that's a great question. As we think about the globe and, and people around the world, I think there's a difference between how people have viewed pain and suffering in the West versus in other parts of the world. There has been a more of a normalization across the globe that pain is part of our lives. If you look at parts of uh, Africa or Asia or the Middle East, there's daily suffering. There's visible suffering. You have war-torn countries, you have 
cultures that are going through poverty and uh, just deep uh, suffering from government, uh, the, the pain of war. There, there's so many different visible expressions and reminders of pain. Uh, here, in, in, at least in the United States, Canada, uh, we don't see that daily. Uh, the, the great equalizer has been COVID-19 in terms of recognize that, recognizing that there's pain everywhere, uh, even here in the United States. But it's also, secondly, I think a, a narrative that we've told ourselves is that we are a country of progress, of uh, mobility and expansion and uh, triumph. Uh, the, the, the narrative we tell ourselves is one of progress and success. And so it, when, when you have a worldview like that, it's often difficult to bridge that uh, into, into pain and suffering because that's not the, the narrative we tell ourselves. That's not the story we tell ourselves. For us to be able to recognize pain and suffering as being a part of uh, our identity, something that, that we, we go through each day uh, would be something that'd be difficult to, to talk about in, in the church or even in, in regular conversation. So uh, I, I know I'm, I'm trying to push us a little bit in a different direction in thinking about these things, and it's not normal conversation, but uh, my, my prayer and hope is that as we do this uh, incrementally, uh, that we'll be able to talk about pain and suffering as, as pastors uh, as a more regular part of our ministry. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. That's very helpful. So let's let's talk about this then. Let's talk about pain. Let's talk about suffering. Um, you know, in other cultures, uh, suffering for Christians uh, tends to look more like persecution, uh, even martyrdom. Uh, of course, we don't have that, or or maybe that's a maybe that's a question of itself. Do we have that uh, here in the West? Uh, but but uh, maybe a broader question would be: Are, are we speaking a, a, a little disingenuously uh, when we talk about suffering in our society as Christians? Mm. Well, I I begin the book by talking about four different types of pain, and, and you you raised a couple of those. There are uh, pains in terms of and sufferings in terms of this for for the sake of Christ we suffer, and those are a special category that I think are different that that's different from the, some of the other types of suffering. Suffering for various illnesses that are out of our control would be a second category. Uh, the third would be suffering because of demands placed on us by others often, and then the fourth category I think is suffering on account of our own sinfulness, sinful desires, and poor decisions that we've made. And those four types of suffering, I know there are probably others, but those major four types of suffering are not the same. And uh, when we speak of suffering for Christ, obviously we have a, a different type of suffering. It's a, it's a suffering for the sake of the gospel. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a suffering that Christ calls us to as, as servants of the Lord that will look very different from serving, uh, suffering because we have terminal illness. Uh, that's a byproduct of our sinful nature. That's not a, 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 the same type of level of, or even type uh, of suffering that we're talking about in terms of suffering for the sake of Christ and the gospel um, and being persecuted or martyred uh, for the sake of the gospel. All right, all right. So you would put uh, suffering then uh, and pain and so on. You wouldn't, you would obviously distinguish in the categories that you have, but but you don't have a problem with putting uh, things like cancer or things like, like you said, you know, um, 
kind of an example of one of your categories, an, an overbearing boss, you know, or, 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 you know, or something like that. Would you put that under the category of suffering? Uh, um, if I could say it this way, suffering for Christ, uh, you know, even though it's not necessarily suffering in the terms of your faith is being challenged, but what you are suffering uh, if you are a Christian, all of your suffering is a suffering for the sake of Christ and for the sake of his name and, and producing Christ-likeness inside of you. Oh, absolutely. In terms of discipleship and, and sanctification, the, those are all part of the journey that we're all going through. And each of us has, given, uh, has been given uh, some type of suffering. And, and that is either a byproduct of sin or sinful nature, or uh, it's uh, we could even call it a gift from God that God gives us certain people, different types of suffering as a gift to draw ourselves closer to him or stay close to him uh, or being reminded of our finiteness and our, uh, and our own dependence upon him. And, and Paul talks about that in second Corinthians uh, that uh, he, he endured all types of suffering. He talks about that in chapter one, chapter six, chapter 11, uh, he, he names the different types of suffering that he had gone through, and he, he reminds uh, the believers that all that suffering that took place in Asia, uh, there, there's a reason for it, and that was for the sake of Christ. Um, and that will look different from us here in the West, where we're pastoring, and we are also suffering for the sake of Christ, but in, in different expressions, different forms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it reminds me also of uh, Peter. I think if I'm reading first Peter correctly, uh, he talks about the suffering of persecution, suffering of, uh, perhaps even martyrdom. Uh, I think he talks about that towards the middle of the letter, uh, but he's a little bit more general in the beginning of the letter. So when he says, uh, after, after talking about uh, the mercies that God has given to us in our regeneration in chapter one, uh, he'll say in verse six, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, and he says this, you have been grieved by various trials. Uh, it seems a little bit broader, a little bit more general uh, there. But then he says, uh, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, this is ESV, uh, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so if I understand him correctly, the, the tests or the trials that he's talking about here are not uh, uh, reduced to the, the testing of, of uh, persecution, the testing of martyrdom, of execution, or, or things like that, uh, the closing of your church, you know, or these types of things. But rather, it's anything that that presents a test to your faith uh anything that pros that poses a challenge to you that in that moment you have to say am i going to trust god or not um mm. am i going to trust that uh that the lord is able to get me through this am i am i going to trust that god is able to sustain me uh through this and that i will come out of here uh even more uh as as you'll say in there you know though you do not see him you love him you know do i come out of here loving jesus more deeply uh it, you know is that am i on the right track with that oh absolutely and and i think you're picking up on a a theme that we see across many of the bible books uh, biblical books uh we we look at james you know there there are all kinds of passages even even daniel 
uh, we, we see um, Old and New Testament books talking about suffering and as refinement, uh, as you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, uh, you're, you're definitely right on that. Yeah, and, and that would make this then uh, very, very uh, important for our preachers uh, and, and very important for our people. Uh, because I think that there's this sense in which we, uh, to your point, that we minimize these mm. things like, oh, you know, this isn't as bad <laughs> as, as, as this over here. Um, but there may be some people where for them, it is bad. <laughs> it's not, you know, uh, whatever the degree is, you know, when you compare, you know, you compare your trials to other people's trials, that, that may be something. But right now in this moment, I feel like I'm looking up at, at, uh, at Mount Everest and I'm trying to figure out how in the world I'm going to get to the other side. And I have no idea how I'm going to do this. And, and that's that moment where I think for us as preachers, where we've got to, uh, to speak the grace of God. Uh, into those situations, in those moments, and say, hey, by the grace of God, you've got this. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much for raising that. And uh, that reminds me of a, a class that my wife took when I was a pastor in, uh, in Denver. She was taking uh, counseling classes at Denver Seminary, and her mm -hmm. counseling professor said to her, um, people's pain is people's pain. Mm -hmm. And basically, recognizing that everyone has pain, whether we're going to acknowledge that as pain or not, uh, and, and not to trivialize other people's pain or minimize it or see it as lack of pain in comparison to my pain. Um, everyone's got pain. The, the, the question is what kinds of pain are at the forefront that are maybe hemp, uh, hindering or hampering us from uh, living out the gospel in our, in our daily lives. And so for us um, as pastors, uh, we want to be careful not to make every sermon about pain and every uh, story about pain, but at the same time, recognize that maybe the reason why people in the pews are not listening to our sermon today is because they have chronic pain in their back. And, and the, 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 look they, the look that they gave you is not because of the point that you were making, but they have pain in their back. <laughs> uh, and how are they going to express that to you? They can't, except for a physical uh, demonstration on their face that they have pain right now. Uh, so we, we, we want to make sure that um, we recognize that people have pain today, it, it, whether it's racial injustice or all kinds of pain, someone's going through something and, and we want to be sensitive and not to, to uh, look at every, every look of displeasure as something that I'm speaking wrongly in my sermon, but, but recognizing that uh, people have different types of suffering that, um, that we need to just be able to admit that it's okay to, to be in this situation or state right now. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so let's talk now about preaching. Um, you you said there that uh, perhaps not every sermon is a is a, is a message about uh, pains or or you know the pains of this world, pains of this life. Well, there there are some people that would say, well, I, I don't want to do that be, uh, at all because if I do, I'm I'm uh, distracting us, if you will, from. Uh, the pain <laughs> that is uh, that is at hand, and namely, we are sinners under the wrath of God, and and I've got to make sure that I that I'm keeping us focused on on the eternal pain and the eternal sufferings uh, that uh, that are at stake here. So so how how do you balance that? How is preaching on pain uh, something different than preaching the gospel? Uh, and, and if it's not, 
then how do we preach about temporal pains uh, in light of uh, the eternal? Yeah, the, you raised several great questions there. Let me first tackle the one about uh, is, is pain of this life the same uh, pain as the gospel, or how do we present the gospel in light of temporal pains? And one of the models, obviously, for us is, is Jesus and how he did his earthly ministry. And oftentimes, if, if you look at how he approached different people when he interacted with Nicodemus versus the Samaritan woman or any of the, the people uh, in, in the Gospels where there was an actual physical ailment or problem that needed a miracle, uh, the blind man, uh, any kind of uh, the lame, the, the, the mute, the deaf, all, all of them, uh, he didn't necessarily go after the, the spiritual first the spiritual problem of their sin. Uh, he went to the immediate need. When, when uh, you see uh, the, the accounts of the feeding of the, the 4,000 or 5,000, uh, he didn't go straight to their, all these people need salvation. He asked the disciples, do you have any food? <laughs> do you have any food for them? He, he cared for immediate needs. And then eventually, once the people were nourished, or their physical ailment was healed, then he basically expressed to them, your faith has healed you. And when, he, when he's talking about healing there, I believe that he's talking about spiritual healing, uh, the forgiveness of sins. So the model for us is clear. Uh, we're not going to always be able to address spiritual issues when uh, the, the people in the pews are, are really struggling with their physical ailment or their, their, their illness. Uh, or, or their relational problem, or their money issues. Uh, these are tangible, real problems that people are suffering with. And to jump immediately to the spiritual, there, there's just a huge, as you talked about earlier, chasm. There's a disconnect for people. When my immediate need is, is here at the forefront, why are you talking to me about uh, the next life <laughs> when I got this, this life to worry about, uh, when I have bills to pay and I have all these problems? So for me, uh, I don't think it's an either or. I think we can do both. I think we can speak to the, the immediate uh, issue, the, the, phys the physical or whatever type of pain, as we talk about our spiritual condition, our, our depravity, uh, our need for Christ, uh, that, that Jesus is the only ultimate solution for every human problem and sin problem. Um, but those two are not disconnected in my view. Uh, I believe they're integrally related. And as embodied human beings living in this life, uh, for us to minimize or, or shun the physical only in favor of the spiritual would be a disservice in my view. Yeah, yeah. I think that we've, we've spent, a, well, I guess now over a century of dichotomizing uh, as, as uh, evangelicals, uh, dichotomizing uh, the, the spiritual and the physical or uh, the temporal and the eternal, you know, and so on. Uh, when the scriptures, I think, are very clear that that the Lord has come to make all things new. And so if he's here to make all things new, and if we preach a gospel of resurrection, uh, that that the Lord not only rose from the dead spiritually, but he rose from the dead physically, bodily. Uh, and he's talking about 
uh, the total res uh, renovation of the cosmos in the in the end of days, then that means that uh, that this entire experience, this entire um, uh, cosmos, matters to the Lord. Uh, and so, uh, the you know, as we're preaching, one of the things that's been really helpful for me uh, when it comes to preaching. Uh, on issues of pain or suffering or so on, is just to continue to point people to the resurrection, uh, that our Lord has come to resurrect the body. <laughs> He's come. Uh, so if you have, uh, uh, if you've had a hip replacement, uh, you know, and, and you're having a hard time in rehab and you're trying to you know, figure out how to put one foot in front of the other. You learned this when you were a year old, you know, and now you've got to relearn this. Uh, there's hope at the end of all of this. Uh, this hip replaced body is going to be totally uh, redone and and uh, and totally glorified in the end where I, at least I don't think in my eschatology that we'll need screws and bolts and all of that anymore, but, uh, but we'll have, you know, your body will function the way that God intended it to function. And in fact, uh, what he intended it to be is nothing, you know, it, 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 there's nothing in our current experience that compares to what it will be in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, and and in, in much the same way, you know, whether we talk about structural suffering and pains and so on. Well, Jesus is coming to renovate the cosmos. And so uh, the world as it will be uh, is just far surpasses the world as it is right now. And that is that hope uh, is what sustains us through uh, the here and now and all of the trials of this life. Hmm. Yeah, well said. Yeah, yeah. So is there is there a bad way to do this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, is, is there is are there any pitfalls or or anything that that you've observed where you you could say say to your students or or uh, uh, maybe some uh, some other preacher just where you just kind of shake your head and say no no no, no don't 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 do that. <laughs> are there, are, tell us about some of those. Southeastern Seminary's mission is to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Almost all of Southeastern's degree programs are available fully online, so whether you're in your living room or the classroom, you can receive high-quality theological education. Get equipped wherever you are today for wherever you're called in the future by visiting sebts.edu. Use the waiver code PASTORMATTERS, all caps, no space, and Southeastern will waive your application fee. Yeah, I, there, there are some things that we want to be careful of. Obviously, there are pitfalls, and uh, the opposite would be benefits. Um, let's, let's start with the pitfalls. Uh, one would be that every sermon's about you. Uh, we, we become the, the unintentional hero uh, in a negative light in terms of always sharing about our suffering, our, our pain. Every sermon uh, is about this. I, I rehash the same story week after week or even monthly. Uh, that would be something that be that would be tiring for the listener to hear. Uh, as you think about uh, some of the other pitfalls, uh, you know, you think about how how much uh, suffering uh, we can read into the text what's not there. Uh, mm -hmm. So this passage it might be a, a, a joyous 
text uh, and, and yet we're reading in uh, all this uh, negativity <laughs> uh, or or bringing in things that people are wondering why why did you share uh, that story or uh, why you're, why are you bringing up that pain uh, and, and this is one of this has been one of the pushbacks uh, unintentional pushbacks I think sometimes where uh, I'll share about pain or suffering and someone will, will say to me uh, why are you bringing that up pastor when when I thought God had already forgiven me for all my sins why are you bringing up past sins or past issues that I've had and triggering this negative or harmful memory in my mind? Uh, so I, I think we want to be careful of, of the fact that we recognize that that might happen in some listeners, that it might trigger something that uh, they wish had been put away in their, in their memory um, and not brought up again. Uh, one of the things that we want to be mindful of is that uh, people, uh, we, we can't predict how people will, will receive the message. And, and this, is, this goes the same for the gospel. Uh, it, it is a, a gospel that challenges. Uh, it's not a gospel that is going to just say, yeah, yeah, just uh, you're fine as you are. You, know, you, don't, you don't have to be transformed after you make this commitment to Christ. Uh, this is a life of discipleship, suffering, sanctification, however you want to call it, refinement, obedience, uh, and at the same time, there are people who are going to respond poorly to a, to a message about suffering. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to address it. Uh, there's going to be some backlash uh, potentially. But let me, let, you didn't ask, uh, ask this question, but let me go to some benefits. <laughs> run sure, through, sure. Of this. Uh, one of the things I think that can put the preacher at ease about is that uh, we, we always feel like we need to be on, on this pedestal, uh, that, that we're we're living this morally, uh, Christianly, upright, superior life in some way. And the pressure of that has led many pastors to, to failure, some kind of major crisis or failure. Um, the, the preacher who is able to talk about suffering and pain more regularly with, with judiciousness, I'm not saying that we're, we need to share every issue that we're having, but with prayer and with uh, discernment, we can share about our lives, which will then humanize us to our people, that they'll, they'll be able to say, yeah, pastor understands that I didn't get any sleep last night because my kids were sick. Yeah, pastor understands uh, that uh, I'm not going to be able to put in money into the offering plate this week because I, I did not expect my water heater to go out. Pastor understands that uh, uh, there, there's this relational problem I'm having with my, my uh, sibling or my, my parent or grandparent. And so when I share about some of the things that are going on in my life, it enables people to say, yeah, that pastor gets it. He gets me or um, he's able to see my, my, my suffering. Let me give you an example of that. I was sharing about my uh, issue with glaucoma and eight or nine years ago, I was diagnosed with glaucoma, severe glaucoma. Uh, doctors are not sure if I'll continue to see uh, going forward. Uh, they are now concerned about some macular degeneration. So I got both issues, glaucoma and potentially uh, macular degeneration. So I've, I've shared these kinds of things as a uh, pulpit filler, uh, as a preacher uh, sharing pulpits, uh, filling pulpits. And I remember one time this lady came up to me with tears in her eyes. And she said, I've struggled with glaucoma for 40 years. I can barely see you right now. But for you to tell me that God loves me and, and that God is here for me in the midst of my glaucoma and my vision loss, that just means a lot. That it shows that you care and you know my pain. And so that's just one of various examples. Um, 
one of the one of the pains I I share about in my book is uh, having my um, middle brother be murdered uh, five years ago. Uh, these are these are pains that it's not it's not like I'm going to go up to someone uh, at the grocery store and just tell them about um, my brother being murdered. But when I share that uh, with prayer and with uh, discernment from the Spirit, uh, that story once in a while from the pulpit, uh, I, I had this one woman come up to me and just start weeping. And she said, my, my daughter was murdered two years ago. And in the sanctuary, I was uh, uh, a couple of years ago, just with this woman, just praying with her and weeping together uh, as we were uh, talking about our loss. Um, and so uh, there's something that happens beautifully in the preaching moment when we can be vulnerable, when we can be um, wise in our self-disclosure, something happens where the preacher uh, is not just some distant person who just talks about historical things. Uh, and, and in that moment, we become real. We become real people. So it humanizes us. And so that, that would be one benefit. You know, I talk about others, but that might be the, the most important one because otherwise we become this talking head who is disconnected from the real struggles of people. Um, and so for me, that it's worth it uh, for me to be able to say, yeah, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I have brokenness in my life. Um, and I know you do too. And how do we as a collective people uh, become that beautiful body of Christ in Acts chapter two of the early church where uh, we see the need of others. We see the brokenness of others and we meet that need together. Uh, that the, the pastor is not on uh on their own doing the work of ministry, that we're in this together, uh, a shared communal collective body of suffering people, broken people. And we have this beautiful gospel and we're gonna bring this gospel to the world as we minister the gospel to each other. Uh, these are some of the benefits, Ranjur, and I, I hope that uh, people won't be so afraid to, to talk about pain. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for that. And, and, and thank you for sharing uh, your story uh, with us as well. Um, you know, I, I think about Paul, uh, you mentioned Second Corinthians uh, earlier. Uh, Paul, it, it's interesting because you had these guys, the super apostles that came to Paul, uh, or they were, they were coming to the Corinthians and, and just slandering Paul, I mean, to pieces, you know, uh, you know Paul, you, this is a guy that you, that you think is the the head of the church. This is your, you know, your, uh, your source, <laughs> you know, your, your, your source is an ex-convict. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> look at him, you know, he, he talks all big in his letters and then he comes and he's just this, this, you know, hunchback of a guy, you know, that comes over here and, 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 and everything. Uh, he's, you know, he mentions, uh, at least alludes a little bit to his eye problems, you know, and, and, and so on as well. And, and letters like Galatians and, you know, where he says, see what, you know, with what large letters, you know, I write and so on. Uh, some people said that that may have been uh, an admission that he had a hard time, you know, a little bit uh, with his vision. Uh, but, but you have these, you know, these different things and then super apostles are just, they're just berating him. I mean, just, you know, what is, what is wrong with you <laughs> that this is the guy that, that you would follow? And Paul, as only Paul can, you know, in second Corinthians, he he spends the bulk of the letter essentially saying everything that you talk about as what's wrong with me 
is actually the best thing about me, <laughs> about me, because it's in my weaknesses and so on that Christ and His power and His strength is magnified. Um, and and so as he as he famously said in chapter twelve, you know, when I am weak, then He is strong. Uh, you know, His power is perfected in my weakness, uh, and and so on. That's a different road. That's just a totally different road. Uh, I think we think of power and authority as flexing. You know, we flex our strength. We, you know, uh, um, you know, we flex our power. We, you know, the bravado and and you know, we we tear people down because we can. You know, and, and just all of these things that we do. And Paul, obviously following the Lord Jesus, had had a totally different understanding of of power and authority. That that. Um, it's our it's in our weakness that we magnify the power of of our lord uh we show that he is everything and and we are nothing uh, and so yeah it, it's it's very important uh as we are preaching the, the the scriptures it's very important as we're shepherding the flock that we remind people who they're following they're not they're not ultimately following us they're following jesus and if we can do what we can to show that we are nothing he's everything um uh then <laughs> that's what we're supposed to be doing that's the definition of shepherding uh leading people to the chief shepherd uh mm -hmm. and finding him to be everything uh not us uh because we're we're just sheep <laughs> mm -hmm. uh yeah so yeah th this is this is so helpful so so pastor you are um you're talking to some folks who uh who well, let me let me divide it into two categories you're talking to some folks who who may themselves uh be in a season of pain uh they 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 go into their study and they just want to nap uh they they don't really want to spend time in the word they really don't want to spend time counseling people they don't want to look at the budget you know uh they don't want to deal with other leaders or anything like that they just want to quit they're 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 going through their stuff right now um there are some others that you're listening to or that, that are that are listening to us uh whose churches are going through a really tough time uh, perhaps you know the aftermath of 2020 um, um maybe it's something different something related um but but nevertheless you've got some folks who are going through seasons of pain whether it's themselves or their families uh or whether it's their church or maybe a mix of of both uh how would you encourage them hmm. yeah first of all the to the pastors I grieve and mourn with you and lament uh, the, the collective uh, hardship of ministry over these last 18 months. Uh, as I read articles and talk to friends uh, who are pastors, there's a lot of uh, confusion, burnout, people leaving ministry uh, for various reasons. And as someone who has been a pastor uh, in a full-time capacity, I, I I can ache with you uh, about some of the hardships that you're going through right now. And I just want to encourage you to keep going, keep fighting, keep persevering. Uh, this, uh, this calling that you have received is not a temporal one. It is, it is a permanent call. And uh, sometimes that can feel like a burden, but it's also uh, where Jesus steps in and he tells us that his, uh, 
that he's going to carry the yoke for us, uh, that he's going to push that yoke alongside of us, uh, just as two oxen uh, carry that yoke. So cling to Christ. Uh, remember uh, that, that Jesus is with you. Abide in him. Uh, may, your, may your joy come from uh, serving him as you serve people. Uh, I want to encourage you not to uh, look too much at results-oriented ministry, but to see that your daily faithfulness is an expression that, uh, and, and something that Christ longs for and, and not so much focus on results. Uh, and, and that might be one of the reasons why pastors are, are so discouraged these days, not actually seeing all the people come and gather every week. That can be a, a tremendous sense of loss, not seeing people gather and all those other people that used to come. Why, why are they not coming? It, the evil one is going to continue to speak lies into your mind that you are not doing ministry up to up to par so please uh from from someone who loves you and loves pastors and trains pastors uh, and has been a pastor i just want to encourage you thank you for your service to the lord and to your people uh, and if, if if i can just share just this this longing for for pastors to just keep going and persevering in spite of uh, the various trials that you're going through uh, it will be worth it one day when you see Christ face to face. Uh, to the congregations that are going through hardship, I just want to encourage you to remember that uh, we serve a God who, who, who loves and cares for all people, and uh, your, your suffering is not in vain. Uh, continue to seek after the Lord. Uh, I, I, one of the, the verses of the Bible, uh, if I can share this, this, this verse haunts me every single time I remember it, and it's Luke 18, 8, where Jesus says, when I come back to earth, will I find faith? <laughs> will there be faith on the earth? Uh, and as we go through this uh, trial period, whether this is part of the tribulation or whatever part of the end times we're in, uh, in terms of eschatology, uh, I just want to remind us that um, as much as other things seem attractive in this life, there's nothing more glorious than, than Christ. Uh, and to, to be able to remember that what matters in this life is not our accolades, but uh, that we have clung to Christ, that our faith is in him, that our joy is in him, that our life is all about him. Uh, and also to congregations, to remember not to get distracted by temporal worldly things, but to remember that uh, instead of infighting, I want to encourage all of us to remember that we have an external gospel that we need to share with the world, that there are neighbors and coworkers and people who are dying uh, without the gospel. And, and sometimes our, our own suffering and pain can cloud uh, that reminder that we are evangelists, that we are to share the gospel regularly, and that people are dying and going to a literal hell uh, without Christ. And so that would be another encouragement for the church is that in, in the midst of this pandemic and uh, all kinds of trials that we're going through, there are still people who don't know Jesus, and, and that uh, one of our greatest joys is to share him. So these are some things that come to mind, uh, Ranjur, as we're talking about this. Uh, thank you, pastors. Uh, thank you, churches. Uh, may we continue to serve the Lord as best as we can until he comes. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much, uh, Dr. Kim, for, uh, uh, for our conversation. Uh, thank you for your encouragement. Uh, thank you for writing this book, uh, uh, Preaching to People in Pain. And if, if you, uh, anyone listening, I uh, haven't uh, picked up this book. I definitely encourage you to pick up this book. Uh, not only is it is a good encouragement 
uh, just some uh, very helpful wisdom uh, with that uh, with that regard. But also, uh, there are some sample sermons that are in here as well uh, that uh, I'm sure will will jumpstart your uh, your thinking, jumpstart your your meditating uh, as you look at the scriptures and prepare messages uh, for your people as well. And so, thank you very much uh, for your ministry, Dr. Kim. And uh, I, I joked before we recorded, uh, we started recording that uh, you're you're putting out so many books that uh, this is this we, we may turn this into a weekly segment uh so <laughs> uh, but uh thank you very much for uh for your service to the churches uh and uh and not just uh in your preaching but in your writing as well and uh, may god continue to bless you thank you ranger it's a, it's a great joy to always be with you and uh you're, you're a wonderful brother in christ uh keep serving the lord well uh, in the church and in the academy thank you so much thank you thank you We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review. We would love to hear any feedback you'd give us. It is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation. And as always, my brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.